Welcome to the Inner Christianity Podcast, where we engage ideas, movements, and worldviews from a biblically Christian standpoint. My name is Angela, and I am here with Z and Isaac. And since this is our first episode, we're going to kind of introduce who we are, what our purpose is, and why we think it's important. Why this podcast is going to be the best, basically. (laughs) So um, I can start off first. My name is Angela. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, the beautiful state of Washington. And I went to University of Washington in Seattle. And then I came, moved to Texas for my seminary education, and I'm still pursuing my Master's of Divinity. I'm a Korean-American second gen, and yeah, excited for what this podcast is going to be. Well, hello, Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> hello, who are um, you? <laughs> um, I am Isaac Lee. I am also Korean, second gen Korean-American. I was actually born and raised in Abilene, Texas, of all places. Um, Not a lot of Korean people there. A handful of people, a handful of Koreans that went to my church. And after um, I grew up in Abilene, I went to the University of Texas at Austin. And then I went to seminary, Southwestern, to get my master's in divinity. Um, And then went to another MA philosophy program at University of Dallas, and then came back to seminary, now doing my PhD in philosophy. And so I sometimes adjunct teach at the seminary. I teach logic there every once in a while. And also a pastor at a kind of small church plant in Carrollton, Texas. Okay, cool. So my name is Zephaniah. I go by Z. And I'm not Korean, I'm Chinese American. And I was born in Arlington, Texas. And I went to TCU and then went to seminary, got my master's there in divinity, and then just submitted my dissertation for my PhD. So, woot woot, eight and a half years later. Woohoo! <laughs> finally. And I'm pastoring up in Brooklyn and I'm in. EM pastor for a pretty big Chinese church. They have like seven to eight branches. So just trying to make sure that, you know, the word is taught here and just being faithful to that. And I enjoy basketball and just different types of sports that are more active. And I think a lot of what I try to do is reach out to the community here because there's just so many opportunities. So. Uh, just be a bridge for others and also travel overseas to teach at underground seminaries or seminaries so if anyone's interested come holla at me cool if you're a man i mean just kidding if you're a woman wow yeah we're gonna talk about that another day (laughs) (laughs) interesting Uh, edit that out for the first episode Yeah, no, no, are... we'll keep it in. We'll keep it in so the, the females can attack Z and cancel him. <laughs> they can go teach women ministries. Yeah. Z and oh I, we like football and basketball, but Angela was not interested in talking about those things for this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I like playing it, but talking about it is like, meh, you know. Strictly theology. Yes, definitely, because, you know. 
Anyway, all that to yeah, say. That goes, that segues into what we want to talk about. Yeah, so I guess why not basketball or football? We think, or I think, I guess, <laughs> it's important for us to have a space to talk about theological issues because of just kind of where the world's going, the culture of America and how it's really anti-Christian. And how can Christians think through different issues biblically? Mm -hmm. And so I know there's already a lot of theological podcasts. There's a lot of probably a lot smarter people <laughs> than us. So I guess my question to you guys, like, why should people listen to us? Like, who are we that we <laughs> get the privilege and honor of someone listening to us talk? Well... So, you know, as we talked and, you know, I've been thinking about starting a podcast for a while. Um, and we came up with the name Inter-Christianity because the idea is that Christianity um, interacts with, you know, the world and the culture. And so we, so we want to talk about theology, but we also want to talk how the Bible, theology, and Christian philosophy can engage with what's going on in the world. And so we evaluate what's going on in the world, um, how how to evaluate that from a Christian perspective, I think a biblically-centered Christian perspective, more specifically, and you know how, how that can inform us and how best to engage the world in a, in a way that's effective, that's truthful, but also loving. And... I don't necessarily think we're all that special, um, but I think we are trying to present a voice that is not often heard around in media. So kind of, so we're, I think we're all here like millennial age. So we're kind of, you know, like I'm, I would be considered like kind of an older millennial and Z, Z as well, Angela is a, a few years younger than us. And so there's I'm not sure. a lot. Of, yeah, <laughs> yes, you're fresh. There's not a I'm lot not of as people. wrinkled. <laughs> yeah. Also, also not as married because I'm married and Zephaniah. <laughs> yeah, single and free. <laughs> but in any case, we want to give that kind of voice as, as we kind of observe in culture and social media. There's not a lot of voices that are young and kind of Asian American, but also really trying to engage the world with a theologically conservative mindset. It's either like kind of bandwagoning on kind of the, the um, popular waves of the world, like kind of what's going on. Um, not a lot of thinking about what's happening, you know, um, a lot of, and, and really, I think our perspective sometimes is not very popular and, you know, kind of popular targets for cancel culture. And in a weird way, too, and this is kind of a, a good piece of evidence why the world's so broken, is that some of the things we might say from a more biblical perspective, if we were like white guys, like we would be immediately dismissed, right? And so I think. 
us being kind of minority allows us to say like, hey, like we there's there's not just this group think like all Asians have to think this way, you know, all Koreans, all Chinese, or even all you know Hispanics or whatever. Like, you know, we can think through these things biblically, philosophically, and really try to evaluate them without trying to invest so much personal emotion into it to the point that you know if people disagree with us it's like a personal attack it's like is it equal to like physical harm as some people act like and so i think that's an important thing to do in the world to try to present a way to evaluate these issues from a biblical and a logical perspective uh, i would say for me like isaac's more of the academic and I'm more of the practical guy. It doesn't mean we can't do either or because, you know, we both minister together and went into the PhD together. But like, it's just kind of like where I lean in more is like trying to help these younger Asian American pastors, because a lot of these young guys will basically like mimic, imitate or copy like who they like. And sometimes it's not so much about being the next John Piper or Driscoll or whatever, but more so just being faithful to the text. And maybe people don't have certain personalities, but it's like, if God calls you to the ministry, then there's a reason you're here. So how do we utilize those gifts and whatnot? So as we're going through this podcast, there's going to be some more academic things, more scholastic stuff. But at the same time, like, I guess the reason I'm here is to, to provide that practical or it's just like a different way of looking at it on top of the logic and on top of the, just, I guess, like the, the attention to detail, like we need to pursue our ministries with excellence. And if we don't do that, then then we're being mediocre. And we're not really glorifying God with what he's kind of asked us to steward. So I think I think that's really important to like, no matter your education level, whatever, you can still try your best. Right. And I think that's why I'm here is I just love hard conversations. I love to challenge. I love to question why are things the way that they are, even in conservative bubbles. Yeah, like we are talking about liberal bubbles, but even the conservative side, like why is it that only women can go to underground churches and preach? Like, you know? So I'm just yeah. kidding. Oh, well, I'm not kidding. And yeah, I'm not the most educated. And I think there's a fear for me that, oh, I'm going to say something stupid or I'm going to say something controversial and get canceled. But it's true that there is that risk of people calling you dumb or people canceling you and attacking you as a person more than the ideas that you're talking about. But at the end of the day, we still need to talk about these things. And there's so much value in talking about these things. Right. Even a simple conversation of disagreement is so rare nowadays. Like I look on Facebook and so many people posting, oh, if you support Trump, unfriend me now because you like are a terrible person, you know? And it's just so silly that people aren't willing to engage in conversations or even accept a person for a different opinion. It's automatically cutting them out for that different opinion which is so silly and very interesting. And so we hope that this podcast can serve as a space for conversation of questions and to approach it in a biblical objective way. And so then my next question is, 
Like, why is that so important? Why can't we come into a conversation with our emotions? Why can't we come into a conversation with worldviews that aren't necessarily 100% biblical? Well, I think, you know, I, I, I like how you kind of framed it as conversations. And that's important to get, you know, even if we're coming at it from a trying to be more theologically and biblically conservative, of course, it doesn't mean we're not going to agree we're not going to disagree on some things and it doesn't mean that we're not going to examine our own our own side so to speak and evaluate how you know conservative churches and christians have have dealt with certain issues and we may not always think it's you know it's a good way of doing it and you know the reason why doing it like this and not trying to get so personally invested, emotionally invested. It's not because emotions are bad. I sometimes joke that they are. You know, those people who know me, you know, I'm not the most like feely person on the planet. And so I'll make jokes about, you know, super emo people. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's really not that emotions are bad. And in fact, I actually would believe that emotions have a very important role for a human being and even an important role for knowledge. Like they, they can serve as some evidence for certain things. They're just not undefeatable evidence. They're not the end all be all. And unfortunately, a lot of people treat it that way, or at the very least, they only treat their own emotions that way or emote the emotions of their preferred group. And so, we have this kind of mentality that, oh, if someone says something and it hurt my feelings or made me uncomfortable, that person must be wrong. That person must be a bad person. And I think that's very toxic. You know, we see that all around kind of social media. It's the kind of conversation, unfortunately, that's sometimes um, actively encouraged at universities these days, where, you know, there's a, there's a certain spectrum of opinion that we shouldn't even talk about. And if you do, you're again, immediately a bad person. And I think that's silly. And so hey, that's not responsible thinking just from a purely, I think, philosophical perspective, but even from a biblical perspective, there's in, in no way anywhere in the Bible does it teach us that our emotions in this way are just this infallible source of knowledge and that, you know, whatever we feel goes. And so hopefully we can kind of offer a bit of a corrective for our younger generation who've often fallen into this trap. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think we're not saying emotions do not matter or that they should not be brought in. I think ultimately they should not be the deciding factor when you come and try to make a big decision. And I think obviously you have to process through and as you go through and just kind of count down and, and check off things. It kind of it kind of reminds you that there's a lot more than just what you want or how you know how you feel. And especially in ministry, it's it's God's work. And if we come about it thinking that we're the hot shots or we're the talented ones or people need to focus on us, then we're already misplacing God's glory because we're seeking it for ourselves. And because it's just so easily displaced, like that's why we need correctives. And like Isaac is saying, well, we're pushing for people to think critically. Like we're not trying to be like critical of one another. We're just thinking critically. And sometimes that means you have to offer tough feedback. And I think it's hard for people to differentiate like feedbacks and attacks. So I think it's a big thing. Just because I'm 
trying to give feedback does not mean I'm being negative or attacking, you know, you as a person. So, and I, I kind of had that in my first PhD class when I got my paperback and my, my professor just ripped it in front of everybody. And you're just sitting there thinking, wow, this is, this is a terrible feeling. <laughs> you know, like I'm in this class, I feel incompetent. Maybe I should quit, whatever. But then he, he proceeds to like, not rip, but he, he proceeds to correct everyone else in the class. And then we start realizing he wants us to be the best. And if we can't take that feedback or that, that constructive criticism, we're going to fold. We're not going to make it far. So I think that's, that's the type of mentality a pastor needs to have. Like we need to be vulnerable, but we cannot be so sensitive to the point that we're trying to just like defend ourselves or constantly look for ways out of emotional situations by using our own emotions. So, Right. And why we mention emotions is because I've personally observed a lot of arguments coming from a more emotional or passionate like standpoint more than like actual reasons. It's whoever can be the most passionate or loudest in a conversation, like, oh, they're right or they seem right because they're, you know, loud. Uh, but yeah, like everyone said, it's really important to um, consider emotions, but at the end of the day, emotions are so subjective and they change constantly from different influences. So at the end of the day, it's what's the truth, especially like what does the Bible say to be true? As Christians, that's our anchor. That's our foundation. And when we stray from that, it's not Christian. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the things of the world. And I think that's a dangerous line that Christians, Christians nowadays are playing with and almost forgetting the importance of scripture and what truth it says. And like a good example of what we're talking about, and this is not a biblical one. So this is not the kind of topic we want to talk about. I'm just bringing it up just because it fits what we're talking about in terms of people coming at a lot of topics purely out of emotion. And they're not really considering facts, evidence, reason. Um, a few years ago, you know, the, the women's, women's soccer team, U.S. national soccer team, they won the World Cup. So good for them, right? And then they were like, the story started coming out how they are underpaid. Like they're getting paid less than the men. And like, and even though they made more revenue in like a four year period than the men did. And so all these people on social media, like exploding in anger, you know, the, the media talk shows are jumping on this bandwagon. But if you dig a little bit deeper, into what's going on the whole narrative kind of falls apart you know i'm not going to get into all the details but it's like they chose to you know they weren't comparing apples to apples they chose like a four-year because you know the men four-year period for men is different than a four-year period for women because their world cups are like a year apart um the men st still made more money per game because women women's women's soccer national team they just play a lot more games um, and the kicker, among all these other things, is that the women, they chose their contract structure in their own collective bargaining agreement. They could have had a pay structure similar to the men. They explicitly rejected it because they wanted more of a base salary. So the, so the men is strictly like you get paid if you win, right, or you make it to the World Cup or whatever. 
um, they rejected that structure so that they can have more security, right, with a base salary, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that, of course. But that's like, and that's why the case was eventually thrown out in court. And so I'll be posting about this online, like this is highly misleading. And, and, and I was like, let's be real here. You, you can't compare it to the men's world cup or men's sports in general, because like the, like the men's world cup, they make like billions of dollars in revenue. Like that's, it's just, you know, what are we even talking about here? I had people unfriend me for just saying, these are just facts, right? And then I had a girl message me privately who, who knew me and she was like, well, you know, can you explain more what you're talking about? So I did, I explained more what I was talking about. And here's the funny part. I even told her, I was like, I'm not saying I'm against, I, by no means am I saying I'm against women's soccer players. I, in fact, I told her, I like watching our women's soccer team when they're in the World Cup. I actually watch their games. And what she said to me, she goes, oh yeah, I don't really like soccer. I don't really watch any of it. But you know, I really, really started caring when I heard about this women pay issue. <laughs> So she just clearly had no idea what was going on, but jumped on because it was a bandwagon. And so this kind of really illustrates how people approach issues and they're not really thinking, trying to try, even trying to be objective about it. And that's a problem. And I think hopefully, especially when it comes to more important issues, when they, when they interact with Christianity, we can offer, offer more of a corrective for that. Yeah. And also another thing is like, there's not a lot of like Asian voices and like within Christian circles, I see a lot of obviously white people, but like even black people, but not a lot of Asian people speaking and talking and engaging. And I don't know if it's because of like our culture where we're all about like honor and shame and being quiet and, you know, passive in that way. Do you remember the, some of the accusations during the, the Democratic candidate debates, like people were accusing the the, the media of ignoring Andrew Yang a lot. <laughs> 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 or maybe just people just want to ignore us. I don't know. Yeah. And like, you know, he would try to speak, but everyone just talks over him. It was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's kind of true. Like Asians are kind of prone to be more quiet when it comes to engaging in topics and i mean that was a criticism of the blm group like how our asian brothers and sisters weren't stepping in and so i hope that we could be that like an asian american voice to theological issues to uh, even political issues that might come up and that it can add a dimension to the talk space that isn't there yeah i agree <laughs> and maybe every once in a while we can have Zephaniah rap for us oh <laughs> there you go bust yeah. it out I think, I think the irony is when we were at Southwestern together Isaac and I like we weren't we were kind of like we weren't oddballs but we we definitely didn't fit in like, mm-hmm. like, like Isaac is not Isaac is not afraid to critique anyone you know and I'm obviously not quiet either. So I'd like roll up in like Nikes and J's and like just just totally different from our in our surroundings. And I think while we did go to a quote unquote white seminary, I don't think that means that 
we are whitewashed. But I think people need to start like stop making theology about race. It's like when we think about the time when Paul was writing the New Testament, he was using the Greek language. Now, it's not to say that <clears throat> at the time God was condoning Greek, you know, or like that Hellenistic culture, but it was just the way that the vehicle that God used to spread the gospel. In the same way, like, you know, English is maybe like predominantly known throughout the world and it's just how the gospel spread. And it's not to say that, you know, we're condoning the culture or, you know, systemic racism or whatever, all that stuff. We're just saying like God uses things and, and we don't have to like make it about race. We, we need to focus on God as a plan and it's flexible. It's not always the way we want it or think it to be. And so that's kind of like the cool part about it. Like we don't have to fit a mold. We can just be us. So. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm white. So I grew up in Abilene, like I said, I barely had any Asian friends growing up. When I went to UT, the people who were strange to me were Asian Americans. <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with these people? And so, so in some ways, I, I grew up with kind of a very non-Asian sense. Um, so compared to many other Korean Americans, I'm not as Korean. Like I don't interject Korean into my speech very much at all. But then there are other parts of me that I'm clearly not very Americanized. Like I don't like burgers and hot dogs. My diet is like incredibly Korean. And, and so like Z said, we're, you know, we can resist kind of being put into boxes based upon how we look or where we grew up. Um, but take, but taking all of our experiences as well as our studies of scripture and theology and philosophy, we can try to engage issues in the world. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else you guys want to say before we tease some topics that we'll discuss? Not really. I mean, can, I mean, I guess Angela's background too, <laughs> comes from a, what's stereotypically a very uh, left-wing <laughs> liberal <laughs> yeah yeah seattle was definitely more liberal for sure and more diverse too actually than texas and i didn't realize how different it was until i came to texas because in seattle they called me conservative but then when i came to texas they called me liberal <laughs> and so <laughs> i hope that my experience in Seattle and Texas, and even in like charismatic circles like YWAM to Southwestern, super conservative, will give a more rounded view in that way too, not just like an Asian American angle, but those kind of angles too. I think like, you know, you might have opinions that are not as comfortable for everyone, like the stereotypical Southern Baptists who are at Southwestern. As mm -hmm. for me and Z too, like, especially as for me as a philosopher, I entertain all sorts of wacky ideas. And some of them I, I wouldn't even be willing to call heretical that, you know, might make typical professor at our seminary have a heart attack. So, you know, <laughs> talk about those things and hopefully not in a way that would get me in trouble. But, um, yeah, we can kind of talk honestly about a lot of different topics. Right. Yeah. So with that, some topics you guys can expect are things like Trump. Is it biblical to be Republican? And is it the only way a Christian can be? 
Uh, critical race theory, that's a hot topic nowadays, even within the Southern Baptist Convention. Leaders falling morally, some scandals like Carl Lentz and Ravi Zacharias, and much more topics that are relevant to what is happening. And we hope that it can be informative, entertaining, but also biblical. Most importantly, biblical. Um, one word we're really excited talk about one day is women in ministry. <laughs> so you already heard preview of it between Z and Angela. <laughs> talk about that one <laughs> and, yeah you know like another hot topic at least in the philosophic christian philosophy world in the past couple of years is uh christian universalism mm -hmm. you know, will everyone in fact be saved at the end of all and i think it's an interesting topic to talk about so those are more in-house but we also like angela said talk about things in the culture as well right definitely so with that, we thank you so much. If you've listened this far, thank you. <laughs> we hope uh, to have you guys around and even have you guys be part of the conversations, whether it's questions or uh, some lashback to what we said. Uh, we would love to incorporate that too. <laughs> um, and we're just really excited for what God's going to do with this. And I'm excited to learn as well. And yeah. We thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night, day, afternoon, and see you next time. All right. Later. <laughs>